Hey friends, Amanda here. No new episode this week. However, we did want to introduce you to Live Laugh Larceny with Trevin and Amanda. Enjoy some petty crimes in the form of an audio drama. Live Laugh Larceny discusses true petty crimes that may be disturbing to some. Or could be easy listening to all you psychopaths out there. All stories are based on actual events. Eh, but details may vary. Listener discretion is not advised. Welcome to Live Laugh Larceny, Spooky Balls. <laughs> That's it? That's it. Oh. Spooky Balls. This is Trevin. And I am Amanda. Spooky Balls, everyone. I just had that idea earlier. I was like, what if I just said Spooky Balls and that was it? It definitely caught me off guard. <laughs> and before we jump into Dreadful Dilemmas, can I just say Happy Halloween? <laughs> and and as we are recording right now, I am dressed as a spooky witch slash assassin slash gothic queen. Amanda wore a witch's dress, but we found that it has a hood on the back. Yeah. And with the witch's hat off and the and hood, the hood up, up, it's like a whole nother vibe. Yeah. She's got kind of a female sidekick to Robin Hood look slash Assassin's Creed or something. <laughs> I will take it. And I'm wearing leg warmers with little skulls and crossbones on them. So I don't know what that means, but my legs are warm. A warm assassin. And Trevin is wearing a mask. Do tell, Trevin. I'm wearing a Captain America rubber mask. I've had it for a very long time. I was going to say, how long have you had that? Oh, very long time. Probably at least 12 years. Holy crap. Okay. So this is the one I used to wear when I worked behind the counter and I would give kids candy. Oh, nice. It's a good one. It has like the real kind of wrinkles. It's a very different Captain America mask than what you've probably seen. Yeah. It shows the crinkles of the concentration in the brow mm -hmm. and the forehead wrinkles and everything. I know. I love it. I'm blown away personally by both of our looks. But my forehead will be very sweaty by the end of this episode. <laughs> Definitely make sure to exfoliate after. So, Trevin, what is your dreadful dilemma? In the spirit of Halloween and all things spooky-ooky, I must tell you all that I went into another dimension the other night. Oh, no. So, I was watching a Chiefs game, and I decided what would make football more stressful. And Emily and I were both like, well, maybe edibles might work. Haven't you learned your lesson? Well, it worked on the beach by just the fine. the ocean? Okay. <laughs> we got these peanut butter and jelly ones that have the inside there filled with peanut butter. It's like a grape flavor. It's very nice. Oh my God. I'm sitting here watching the game and Snapchatting with our good friend Molly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which she was also sending me a Snapchat of her watching the game as well. Okay. She just took a picture of her TV and was like, oh, I'm watching the game or something like that. So I'm kind of like talking to her too and I'm eating and kind of spacing off a little bit. And I go to pick up my phone. And I look on the screen and I realize that Molly and I have the exact same TV, <gasps> the exact same everything. What? And I'm like, holy shit, how did Molly get even the same pet containers that I have? Like, how is this all the same? 
And then I realized that my name was at the bottom and I was actually just looking at my own snap that I had taken. <laughs> Her living room looked like my living room because I was oh. looking at a picture I took instead. Oh, Trevin. But I tell you, I really did think that for a bit, I thought I was in another dimension. Whoo, I have been there before, <laughs> Trevin. You are not alone. I remember one time, I mean, this was years and years and years back, mm -hmm. but I over ingested a little bit too much and I thought I was zooming into a picture of what I was seeing and then zooming into that picture, zooming, 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 zooming into it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it took me a little while and finally I stopped getting the zoomies. Wow. You're like Mabel after a bath. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I also have a dreadful dilemma. Mm. This dreadful dilemma is a personal one, but it is also a tiny bit spooky as well. It's also kind of a confession. Oh, okay. It's heavy, okay? It's like a bunch of things. And I don't know if you're ready, Trevin, for the truth that's about to come. I don't think I am, honestly. I've been a bad friend, Trevin. Yeah? For years. Oh, my darling. <laughs> I've been holding on to your precious Six Feet Under Season 1 DVD set for years. Oh. Years, listeners. Years. And I'm just now returning it to you. She's had this since before HBO Max was a thing. You gave me that DVD set before Jordan and I were even married, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was so long ago. Like 2014? Probably. So, Trevin, I've been doing a lot of Halloween decorating, okay? Mm -hmm. And I was dusting out my bookshelves in my living room. And what do I find but this Six Feet Under set? And I feel like even more of a bad friend because... You didn't I, watch it. No, no, no. I did watch it. I did watch it back in the, the day. The whole season? I don't know if it was the whole season, but I definitely remember watching it because... I saw a whole different side of Dexter, okay? Oh, that's true, yeah. But I feel like even worse of a friend because I found this a couple weeks ago and then I thought, you know what? This would be a good thing to wait and give him on the Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah, thanks for this present. I know you already rebought season one, didn't you? Actually, my friend Tyler, he had the whole box set of the entire series. Yeah. And he gave it to me. Oh, So I good. had the entire series twice almost. No, twice now that you gave me this back. So, oh, yeah. okay. Well, you know what? Your collection is complete again. And Emily actually just watched the whole series about a month or two ago. And I think it strengthened our relationship. Oh, my God. I did watch it. I just don't know if I finished it. Well, it is my all-time favorite show, and if anybody likes depressing stuff that's pretty heavy about life, Six Feet Under is a great show. There you go. So that's my dreadful dilemma. I've been a horrible person and had that for like nearly a decade now, probably. So there you go. And also, I'm sorry if I sound a little wheezy. I'm trying my best. Yeah. Love you all. So we're going to be doing some killer facts. Hello? We traced the facts. They're coming from inside the house. We are, and you are going first on this Halloween special. Oh my. So today, in honor of Halloween, my killer fact is going to be about a very spooky invention. And that invention is called the Mort Safe. Have you heard of it, Trevin? Mort space safe? It's one word, Mort Safe. Not familiar with this at all. I got some great information from the Vintage News. Definitely check out that whole website. Very cool stuff on there. 
In 18th century Scotland, there was a high demand for human cadavers for medical students to study. But in those times, people were repulsed by the idea of donating their bodies to science. You know, I feel like maybe some people still are to this day. I can see that, yeah. But maybe not. Maybe it was like way worse back then. Bodies of executed criminals were used, donated by the government. However, even those were often hard to obtain. This caused the theft of dead bodies in England to become a common occurrence in the early 19th century. Because we need our science, and they needed to figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess this is where we ended up. Grave robbers used to dig up newly buried bodies and sell them to the schools. Many people were determined to protect the graves of newly deceased friends and relatives. And that's where the mort safe comes in. A mort safe is an iron coffin or framework which protected a grave to prevent the body from being dug up and taken away for medical research. I want to show you a couple pictures, Trevin. Have you heard of that or seen that? I have seen pictures of them. I did not realize that's what it was or why they were there. I don't think I even questioned it. These protective devices ranged from iron cages, heavy stone table tombstones, or concrete boxes. The age of the mort safe came and went within a couple of decades. The Anatomy Act of 1832 was passed eventually, and surgeons could legally obtain cadavers. Okay. This was a big issue in Scotland around this time, apparently, because... They didn't have a legal or ethical or whole situation figured out. Mm -hmm. And so that left an opportunity for the grave robbers to be like, hey, this is something that's in demand. So then people made these mort safes to just kind of go around the burial site of their loved ones, like a little cage almost, just an extra protection. Weird. I wonder if there was ever any of those grave robbers that tried to market themselves as the ethical body seller. Oh, God. Don't worry. These bodies were all ethically sourced. They were all free range. These are regular people that just expired on their own time. I don't know. I guess if the scientists were so desperate during that time, would they be asking a lot of questions? I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. I don't know how much they even had to pretend to do it. But all I know is I'm glad that they finally passed an act that got this whole thing figured out in not such a intrusive, disrespectful way, you know? Yeah, that's really nutty. Obviously, if you're buying anything black market, they are a shady dealer. Yeah. But it's even worse when you're going to go buy a black market good and it is a stolen body. Yeah. Apparently that was like a big thing. So if we have any listeners in Scotland, I'm curious, are there these mort safes around a Mm -hmm. lot of grave sites today or did they remove them or I don't know. I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm curious about it too. You know, when we buried my Mima a couple years ago, pretty sure they put her in a like cement square that was already poured there. And I found that really weird because most of the funerals I've gone to, you pretty much just see them get lowered in. Yeah. But they actually put the casket into a cement box that was already there. So I wonder if that was something that my family wanted to do or something. Whoa, I've never seen that. It was a cement box that goes under the ground, though. So it's not like Hmm. you would see it from the outside. It just looks like a grave. Huh, that is interesting. You know what? I know it's a morbid thing. I mean, I know you've told us a lot of facts about the caskets. of What was it called? The safety coffin? Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. then like the difference between a casket and a coffin and all these things. There's so many fascinating little facts about it, even though it is a really morbid topic, I guess. But yeah, hey, 
we all go through it, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Trevin. <laughs> so I've got a killer fact for you. Okay. And it has to do with one of your favorite things about movies. Mm. The music. Ah, I was hoping you were going to say that and not be pranking me and say like the gore. Or something. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about music because okay. we're going to talk about, well, Halloween. Oh, okay. Spooky music. Do you know the 1978 film Halloween? Mm-hmm. Michael Myers? Mm-hmm. Real classic. So the music for Halloween was considered to be very revolutionary. But one of the main things is because when John Carpenter tested his first run of Halloween with some executives, they basically laughed at it and told him it was not a scary movie. Really? And that was because he had not added the music to it yet. Oh, okay. So I'm coming from online.berkeley.edu, Ooh. and they had a little thing about the Halloween theme and what makes it so scary. Oh my gosh. So the music from the 1978 film Halloween was revolutionary, not just because director John Carpenter also composed it, but because of Carpenter's adventurous use of early synthesizer pads and stabs. A pad is usually like sustained, like, oh, okay. oh, I use pads like at the beginning of almost every single one of our songs. Okay, okay, okay. And then your stabs are your more like, like the you know, stabbing musical sounds. That was a beautiful sound, Trevin. My God. Thank you. <laughs> that was like the perfect horror sound. So in the late 1970s, it was when electronic music started getting big. The electronic sounds of music was mainly just used with science fiction stuff and anything about space. They use a lot of woo. Right, like that. right. But John Carpenter didn't have a whole lot of money. They made Halloween for $300,000. There was not enough for him to hire a film composer or an orchestra. Because back in those days, you would have a lot of, you know, like stuff with the strings and stuff right, like that. Right, right. Carpenter had studied some music and he had played in some bands. And so he just booked a studio in L.A. And he just set up with a bunch of synthesizers and was making synthesizer noises and stuff while watching the movie to just try to add more to it. So they had already filmed everything? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they went back and did the music. Okay, fascinating. So normally what you do when you're working in a studio and you're working with the audio of a movie, you can sync it up to where you hit record on your machine and it all syncs up the movie and it together. But that hadn't been invented yet. Mm. So they just played recorded music to a click track and a stopwatch to try <laughs> to make sure all the time lined up. And then he would just later go back and line it up with the 33 millimeter camera. Isn't that wild? I mean, I used to make mixes from CD to cassette tape. Mm -hmm. And like this was even more old school than that. Oh, my God. Okay. That's mainly what I wanted to say. It's kind of funny that Halloween wasn't considered to be scary. Like imagine watching that without the music and seeing Michael Myers face just show up and not being scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because anytime you imagine a jump scare in a movie that made you scared. Anytime you think about it, when you're replaying it in your head, the music is a big part of what makes you so scared of it. 100%. And if you watch Halloween now, the music is really interesting because it is just very synthesizer-y sounds. But there are some parts where he just goes, and it's just almost like hurts your ears. But it kind of makes the hair on your arms stand up a little bit. It makes bit. you cringe, but not like in an embarrassing way and like a scared, uncomfortable way. Yeah, like yeah. somebody's scratching a chalkboard or something. Yes. I love that. If a movie does not have good music, I just cannot be captivated. I just think it changes everything. Mm -hmm. The original Psycho 
by Alfred Hitchcock was like the first slasher movie ever. And Halloween was kind of an ode to that, which kind of built on to being the second big slasher. And then because Halloween was so good, there was a bunch of other ones. But even though Halloween wasn't the first slasher, it was the first to use music so strongly to make the fear happen. Right. I wonder how much the music in that kind of inspired Friday the 13th music. I think once Halloween knocked it out of the park, they just made it a formula. Okay. It was yeah. Friday the 13th had a killer music, except it just took place in a camp. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. killer 80s music. Mm-hmm. It was all just trying to build up one villain and then just having them kill a bunch of people. Yeah. That is wild. You know what else is really wild and a lot less scary? Me after a bottle of wine? Ads, Trevin, ads. Okay. And we are back. Trevin, you really, really got me with that transition this time. That was a really good one. (laughs) Thank you. So I'm going first this week on our Halloween special. Mm-hmm. This year, I do have a story from the news. Honestly, I'm just going to let the story and the ambiance talk for itself. So here we go. Step right up and welcome to the Petty House of Horrors. Inside, you'll see crimes unimaginable, even in the darkest parts of your mind. Deranged clowns give out wedgies instead of laughter. Funhouse mirrors strictly reflect onlookers' bad sides. And zombie Karens mumble passive-aggressive comments as they lurk down the halls. You look tired. The story I'll be telling you all this Halloween is both minuscule yet menacing and lies just beyond the front door. Prepare yourself, for the petty house of horrors isn't for the weak-hearted. Enter if you dare. Slim was a tall and slender man looking for work in Orlando, Florida during the year of 2015. Although there were many jobs available, Slim had a specific skill set he wanted to utilize. He had a passion and skill for walking on stilts. Stilt walking wasn't usually listed as a requirement on job applications, so Slim wouldn't mention it until he was hired. This tactic unfortunately caused Slim to lose many jobs from unsuspecting employers. You're fired! He was fired from fast food restaurants when drive through customers complained about being greeted by Slim's crotch at the window. Holy dick! And he was fired from a lawn care company, not because the grass was cut unevenly, but because his stilts left tiny holes all over his clients' lawns. Slim was considering hanging up his stilts for good when he spotted an interesting job listing online. Scare actors wanted at Universal Studios? Slim read aloud to himself. He looked over at his stilts hanging up in his closet and then back to his laptop screen. This could finally be the job for me a place where my stilted ass truly belongs. Slim clicked the apply button and waited impatiently for a response. Days later, Slim received an email back from Universal scheduling an interview the very same day. 
Arriving at the interview, Slim put on his tallest stilts and power walked towards the building. He dazzled the three interviewers, including a makeup artist, set designer, and former local child star. Slim danced, posed, and jumped around his stage, all while keeping perfect balance on his peg legs. It was a unanimous decision. Slim was hired on the spot to be a scare actor at Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. His job would be seasonal, ending at the end of spooky season. But Slim knew that this job was rare. Plus, it could get him a stilt in the door for other big opportunities that could lead him to all new heights. The first couple weeks in October were a dream come true for Slim. Each night, he would stilt into work and be assigned to a haunted attraction. One night, he would play a gigantic zombie in the Walking Dead warehouse. And the next night, he'd be a towering vigilante looking for justice in the purge tent. I'm looking for justice. He had found a job that appreciated him for his specific skill set at last. That's why Slim didn't mind that eight days before Halloween, he was scheduled to work in the general scare zone. This was located right outside the haunted attractions and his job was to lure attendees inside. He had heard horror stories from other scare actors about interacting with the general public, from being spat on, slapped on, and even sat on. But so far, Slim only had lovely encounters with folks looking for a spooky night out. He put on his stilts and took his position in the dark entrance along with a handful of other dressed up actors. The terrifying performers began to terrorize and mesmerize those walking by. Just as the night was almost wrapped up, sounds of a partying woman echoed throughout the theme park. Because Slim was higher up in the air than everyone else, he was the first to see the person projecting these party sounds. She appeared to be a petite blonde woman downing a beer and expressing her every thought out loud. This look like the DMV. She had the possibility of being a potential safety hazard as he warned his co-actors. We've got a lit lady approaching from the east. Slim shouted down towards his team just before she came into everyone's view. Ah! Get away from me, you fuckers! The intoxicated attendee squealed as soon as she saw the actors in costumes. The verbal berating was nothing new for the scare actors, as many guests used cursing towards them as a way to overcome their irrational fears. But instead of continuing to walk away, the belligerent woman ran towards Slim and his stilted legs. I said, get away! The woman screamed as she lifted up one of her legs and kicked. It had been a perfect hit to Slim's right stilt when another swift kick came for his left. No! Slim pleaded. I'm going to fall! Stop kicking me, you mad woman! On October 23rd, 2015, 32-year-old Carla Rondon Diaz was arrested at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. The park was hosting Halloween Horror Nights when a scare actor on stilts was attacked. The unnamed stilt walker 
told police that Carla had kicked his stilts twice, almost causing him to fall to the ground. He yelled for her to stop in an attempt to prevent himself from falling, and police were soon called. Once at the scene, police noted that Carla was argumentative and indeed intoxicated. A representative for Universal Orlando told Local News 6, the safety of our team members and our guests is our most important priority. We have a zero tolerance policy that can include prosecution of anyone suspected of compromising the safety of our team members. Our scare actors receive special safety training and we staff our event with uniformed law enforcement officers and team members whose role is to keep everyone safe. However, this is far from the only attack on Universal scare actors. Just days before this incident, a man was arrested for intentionally punching an actor in the face in the walking dead house. Both criminals face separate charges of battery. Well, well, well. I'm surprised to see you've made it through the petty house of horrors this time. As you venture out into other haunted attractions this Halloween, make sure you keep your arms and legs to yourself. Because next time, you may not be so lucky. <laughs> All right, you spooky devil. <laughs> okay, just so I got this straight, the guy got his stilts kicked, but he never actually fell, right? He never actually fell. He got kicked twice. Mm -hmm. And everything about Slim, I don't know his name. I don't know anything, obviously, about him at all. The only thing is I know what happened to him and that he was a him because it did say his stilts. He said, you know, all of that. But he was completely anonymous. And he never actually fell. No. <laughs> he just almost fell. So I went back and forth. I almost did the story about the guy who punched an actor in the face in the Walking Dead house mm -hmm. because there was actually a little bit more information about that one. But the fact that this drunken woman, okay, and I saw her mugshot, I will post it. She looks like a small, petite, little blonde woman, like I said. The fact that she got lit at Halloween Horror Nights or whatever and repeatedly kicked a stilt and almost made him fall, but didn't, and then still got arrested. I don't know. That just seemed so much more petty and fun to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's one where the punishment kind of doesn't match to me. I mean, I get you're putting him in danger, but I mean, I wonder how much the punishment would have changed had he fell. Yeah, so most of the articles that I found, actually, I feel like maybe all of them, now that I'm saying this, but most of them had both her and this other guy who punched somebody paired together because they took place really close together at the same location and everything. And I think that's just why they're like, oh, people are going crazy at Universal Studios, you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of scare actors were telling their horror stories of working at these places. But again, they're putting these two in the same article and they say that they're both facing battery charges. But I'm like, this guy got punched in the face and this guy almost fell off his stilts. Right. And it's the same. Yeah. So they were lumped together in every single article almost. It was really weird. Hmm. Did you ever hear about, it happened last year around Halloween, Worlds of Fun? Oh, yeah. They had like a huge brawl breakout 
a bunch of teens just started fist fighting in the middle of the main area. I did hear about that. Yeah. It happened multiple times within the span of like a week or two around Halloween time. Okay. And then they had to start having a curfew. Unless you're with an adult, you cannot stay past a certain point because they just thought the teens have gone crazy. They won't stop <laughs> fighting. They just come to worlds of fun and fist fight. But they said oh it was a God. straight up huge brawl and some cops got hit and stuff. Oh, what the hell? Pretty sure that was last year. It might have been two oh years ago. Oh, my God. That sounds kind of petty to me. That might be something we need to look into further. But mm -hmm. I thought it would be a fascinating thing to kind of create our own little petty house of horrors and then have people kind of step inside of the world because the story did take place in a haunted attraction. Oh, I also wanted to state too, factually, as I told Trevin when I was telling the story, someone created a blog that had all of the haunted attractions from the year 2015. The Purge House, all of that was accurate. However, I don't know where the stilt man was working. I don't know if he was in a house. All the article said was a scare zone. So I just kind of created what, in my mind, a general scare zone was, like leading people to come in. So that part I had to fabricate a little bit, too, just because there was no info. Hmm. I wonder if it's kind of like Worlds of Fun does have the spooky area where the spooky creatures can kind of just walk free in case you have a family and you don't want to be a yeah, part of that. Yeah. Maybe that's the scary zone. That's what I was kind of thinking. He's not in an actual haunted house, but he's like trying to lure people in. And maybe mm -hmm. she just panicked and was lit and just went for the stilts. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Leave the stilts alone. None of the articles said if she was actually charged, just that she faced those charges. So I don't know what the punishment was, yeah. unfortunately. I'm sure, especially around these times, that scary actors, this probably happens all the time. That's probably one of those things where people share their war stories. They're like, oh. oh, I remember the Halloween of 2013. A guy bit my ear off, <laughs> you know? Seriously, I thought about including some of the actual letters that the scare actors like sent in, but they were actually really sad. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't want to bring the mood down too much. But a lot of these scare actors get totally messed with by people. And it's like, come on, you're coming to them to get scared, people. Yeah. I mean, I get if you're so scared, you know, your body just involuntarily swings or something. Yeah. But. I think some people are just shitheads. And like I said, when I said the part of, like, it's normal to get verbally berated, I still don't think that's cool, but I'm sure they're used to it, right? Right. But when you're physically attacking them on top of that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, that was spooky. <laughs> and I actually am here to give you a fright as well. Oh, my. Because today, I am giving the third and final part of Trevin's Trilogy of Terror. <laughs> and that's all I've really got to say. I'm just going to tell this story and I'll let it build itself up. And I think that I kind of did these in spookier tiers. Oh, so is this like the highest level of spook? I think this is the highest level. Wow. Spooky-ooky. <laughs> so buckle up, people. And here we go. Do you see every little coincidence as concrete proof of the supernatural? Does a cold gust of wind on an already chilly night immediately make you think you had your very own ghost encounter? Or do you put sage in your butt because you suspect your bad gas is caused by demons instead of the fact that you have a terrible American diet? 
If you've answered yes to any of these questions, then you might just be a believer in the paranormal. Through different surveys and studies, it is widely believed that more than 45% of Americans believe in the existence of ghosts. Whether it be from stories passed down from ancient lore, unexplained personal encounters, or just faith, many people believe that there are spirits among us. The similarities start to dwindle from there, as many people's thoughts on their intentions and purposes are speculated in many different directions. Are dead relatives following us around, acting sort of as guardian angels? Do only sad people get to be ghosts, as long as they happen to live in an already creepy house? Or are they simply just a bunch of dead perverts who like to watch different people shower every day? Ugh, not a two-in-one shampoo. These questions have been hotly debated for millennia. Being as we are a true crime adjacent show who loves to use dark humor and reference horror movies, we share a lot of feeds and conventions with purveyors of the paranormal. And I love it. The spooky crowd out chasing cryptids and ghosts are some of the kindest and coolest people there are. But as I confessed in our very first Halloween special, I'm skeptical. Besides the chillingly haunting story I told that episode about literally going on a date with a ghost, I remain steadfast in my belief of all things spiritual. Please don't give up on me though. Thanks to the self-discovery I had during our spooky collab with Creeps and Crimes, I am skeptical. Meaning that I'm skeptical of these things, but I'm always cool with everyone believing and discussing them. But because we have made it to our third annual Halloween special, I thought it would be best to table those beliefs and see if I can convince you all, and myself, that ghosts do exist. I put my journalistic integrity to the test, visiting libraries, asking for third-hand accounts, and scrolling past the first page of Google. If the mission was to use my platform of millions to turn all skeptics into believers, then there would be no cutting corners. Lo and behold, I found it. I found the perfect spooky story that will undoubtedly unify humankind in a shared belief of ghosts. Prepare yourself for a lifetime of pissed pants and nightlights, because the third chapter of my trilogy of terror will reconnect you with your inner child, but only in the worst ways. So pause this episode and get some adult diapers in your size because I can't be responsible for the ways your body responds to this one. The year was 2016, a year of divisive news stories, problematic presidential candidates, and even tenser family gatherings. But don't worry, this story takes place across the pond in the United Kingdom. So none of those problems are even going to factor into this story. It's a bad omen, Mike. Prescott McSillybottom said to his employer. I don't care what your horoscope told you, Prescott. There are paranormal seekers out there who paid good money for a ghost hunt. I'm not about to deny these people of my gifts. Prescott's boss, Mike said, walking out of the back office. You absolute fool, Prescott said, clenching his fist, crumpling the horoscope in his hand. In the main part of the building, nervous, paranormal thrill-seekers found their way towards their seats as Mike Koval's Skull Coats Lane ghost tour was about to begin. The lighting slowly dimmed as Prescott turned the dial to set the mood. So you all came here hoping to see a ghost. Then you've come to the right place. A disembodied voice echoed throughout the room. Members of the crowd quietly cheered as Mike Koval walked from behind a curtain, revealing himself to his audience. Coming face to face with an apparition isn't just some fun thing to do on a Saturday night. 
This isn't a bachelorette party idea for a spooky babe who likes fall vibes. This is the most important thing you will ever do in your entire life. I won't just show you a ghost. I will bathe you in the essence of a spirit lost from its immortal home. You will leave today having experienced another life from start to finish. You're going to need a long shower to get my astral goo off of you. Mike spoke to the crowd. Prescott slowly walked behind audience members, handing them small suckers as Mike went on. My associate is walking around handing you all a sweet little treat. Don't eat it. As we are now in the land of the dead, we must first offer these to our hosts. Once you have your sucker, check to make sure it's not lemon-lime. If it's lemon-lime, raise your hand and we'll get that switched out. Those are my favorites and I never offer those to the dead. Now, I need you all to stand in a closed circle and hold your hand out flat in front of your chest. Balance your sucker on your hand, stick up. If at any point your sucker falls during the conjuring, that is without a doubt a spirit claiming your sucker. We will then leave the suckers here as our offering. The ghost hunters all held their shaky hands as still as they could, excited to witness a ghost. Hello, my darlings. Mike began to speak into the darkness. It's me again. I've brought some new friends here to meet you. If you promise not to go home with any of these fine people, we will offer you any pick of the suckers here. The crowd stood in still, dim silence, looking over at one another, waiting to see what the ghost would pick. An old man in the crowd's hands trembled, causing a sucker to fall over in his hand. Margaret, is that you? He asked into the air, as the fear of the old man's sucker falling startled a young woman's sucker into also falling. Excellent, Mike said to the room. We will be sure to leave these two suckers behind for you as we descend upon the cemetery. Please tell Henry we are here. Prescott came back around, taking the old man and the young woman's suckers, leaving them behind on a small desk. With Mike at the lead, the ghost hunting expedition walked out of the building's side door and out to the cemetery. It was an eerily still evening. There was hardly any wind, and the slight fog in the sky wrapped itself tightly around the graveyard. The thrill-seekers walked closely behind Mike, crunching on leaves along the dirt road. The Skullcoats Lane North Cemetery was erected in the 1840s, making it the third burial ground for the Church of England Skullcoats, Mike explained. Besides the beautiful architecture and craftsmanship of the ancient headstones, keep your eyes peeled. You might just see my friend Henry out for an evening stroll with us. The crowd began to talk amongst themselves in speculation of who Henry is. If any of you were wondering, Henry is the ghost of a monk that lives here in the cemetery. We see him still tending to the land from time to time. Legend has it, he was the ugliest monk of the parish, so that makes his ghost that much more creepy when you do see him. Members of the crowd gasped, just thinking about how much scarier an ugly ghost is than an attractive one. Yeah, I must have met a million ghosts. I'm a pretty cool guy, Mike began to say, before being cut off by a terrifying sound. The two members all looked around in fear. Don't worry, everyone. This is what you paid to see. It gets easier the more you do, Mike said, trying to calm down his people. But just as he began to take a step forward, another ghostly moan echoed off of the monuments, stopping him in his tracks. Mike, the omen, Prescott whispered loudly. Waving Prescott off, Mike stuffed his fear down and spoke up. All right, everyone. 
Who votes that we check out a quieter part of the cemetery? Mike watched as all of the crowd stood and stared blankly. Shit, Mike said under his breath. And how many of you think we should go investigate that scary noise that's probably nothing and a big waste of our time? Every single member of the crowd raised their hands, prepared to experience the paranormal at any cost. Mike accepted his fate and led the way towards the spooky sounds. Along the haunted dirt road, the crew heard more noises, ghastly screams, expressions of pain, and even childlike giggles, with one member stating that they heard the name Daddy being called out. The more frequent the noises, the more nervous Mike got until they approached the crest of the hill. Everyone, Mike said to his crowd, I don't know what we're about to see on the other side of this hill. I've never seen a paranormal activity be quite this active before. With the faint light I'm seeing, I would expect to see an astral projection or two. All I ask is that you respect the spirits and don't make any sudden movements. With his hand firmly on his ghost hunting knife, Mike walked over the hill and directly to the source of all the haunted commotion. His jaw dropped as he laid eyes on a sight he had never seen before. There, upon the ivy of the Skullcoats Lane Cemetery, were two naked people making love. The spot. Mike froze as the rest of his ghost hunting expedition slowly joined him in silent shock. Mm. All right, Miss Freak, it's time for the big climax, so I'm going to need you to look into the camera when you let it rip, another voice said from nearby. Mike and his expedition of ghost hunters were so shocked at seeing two naked people that they didn't even recognize the clothed people also around them. This was no voyeuristic encounter between two adults. This was a full-blown porn shoot, equipped with a director and cameraman. The humping intensified and the breathing quickened as the woman looked out the corner of her eye for her camera. But when she took her attention away from her acting partner, she didn't see a large camera lens looking at her. Instead, she saw Mike and his entire class of ghost hunters watching her get busy. This wasn't in the contract! The woman yelled as she dismounted the man, pulled up her pants, and ran topless into the field of brambles. Completely exposed, the man ran after his scene partner, using his hand to protect his willy from the tall weeds. Margaret, is that you? The old man on the expedition said, attempting to run after the naked people. Another patron quickly grabbed him and kept him with the rest of his tour. In 2016, Mike Koval of the TV show Most Haunted led a ghost hunting expedition through the Skullcoats Lane North Cemetery in Hull. During their time on the cemetery tour, Mike and the rest of the tour began to hear different moans and shrieks in the night. After following the sounds, the two stumbled across a man and woman doing the Humpty Dance, while two other men stood and recorded them. In Mike Koval's interview with The Sun, he said, It was the couple who saw us first. They were going at it like knives among the ivy. She was a blonde. We looked at her and she looked at us. Then she pushed the bloke off of her. The guy ran after her, desperately trying to protect his privates from the brambles. He also added, one elderly man was so incensed, he was ready to chase after them with his walking stick, but I persuaded him to calm down and eat his sandwiches. After following multiple different articles, I could not find that any police were called in this matter, but that doesn't mean others weren't affected. If there were people walking with their children around the graveyard and they saw something like that, it would be pretty terrible. 
I have got a little boy, and I wouldn't want him seeing that. I wouldn't know what to do. It's not very nice to see at all. A local prude told the whole Daily Mail. Wow. Absolutely frightening, right? Could you imagine how scared the prude must have been after hearing secondhand about people having sex in her city? I just can't imagine how that must have been for her. So this concludes the third installment of my Trilogy of Terror. I hope you've all had as much fun being spooky for multiple weeks as I have, and I hope you understand that fear can come in all different shapes and sizes. You're all probably tuning in to creepy shows of ghosts, cryptids, and killers, but where else are you going to hear stories about petty acts from beyond the grave, or a sexual act scaring a local community? That's right. Nowhere else. Even if nobody asked for it, we got it. So whether you're partying too much and robbing your neighbor, shooting a porn in a cemetery, or just egging children as they trick-or-treat, I hope you all have a great and petty Halloween. Holy hell. First of all, right before you said that it was a couple making love, in my mm -hmm. mind I was like, oh my god, if this is a couple making love, this is going to be amazing. And then you gave the twist about it being a porn shoot. It wasn't just lovers in the field. Yeah, it was a crew of two recording a crew of two. Wow. Okay. I thought, oh, I guessed it. And then you hit me with that. And that just blew everything way out of proportion. How random. It's very random. I saw your first reaction when I could tell that you figured out that it was two people humping. And it mm -hmm. made me very happy because you're probably going to be the worst person to receive this story because you're not going to hear the sounds morph because I'm going to give more of ghostly sounds and probably start to get a little closer to sex sounds as right. we get closer. Yes. So you just got nothing but my clues as the daddy thing gave yeah, it away for yeah, you. Yeah. That made me very happy to see that you were still picking up on what I was doing without the audio. Mm -hmm. And I loved every second of it. That's going to be so funny. So you said that this was a host on a show. Mm -hmm. Were they recording at the time? Oh my God, could you even imagine? That would have been awesome. But no, he didn't have a crew with him or anything. He's a local historian and I can't tell if I didn't really do that much research on him. And honestly, I didn't do his accent at all. He has a higher pitched English accent. Oh. But I made him sound more like an American ghost hunter. Mm -hmm. But they said that he was from Most Haunted. And I don't know if that meant he was just on one episode or if that means he's like the host of it. Okay. In my mind, I guess I was thinking he was like a traveling host that went from place to place to place to place. I mean, he could be, but they called him the local historian of that area. Okay. So okay. my guess is on Most Haunted, they probably did one episode about his area and because he was the yeah. historian then again i don't really know i'll tell you why i kind of did some of the stuff i did okay so i don't think i ever really talked about my experience what like two or three years ago when we went to that haunted house i don't think you did on the podcast i know you did with me i wanted to talk about it on the show but stuff that just came up and i never did yeah so that sucker thing is exactly what they had us do. Was it? Yeah, that wasn't something that has anything to do with the truth of that story. Okay. But I wanted to use my own experience in telling that story. Because when we went to go do this haunted house, we had this lady tell us that she speaks to the paranormal all the time. <laughs> and she made it sound like she was a boxer or something. She was like, yeah, I've had 155 haunts. I've seen about 76 <laughs> apparitions and only two knockouts. You know, something like that. Oh. 
my god she was giving you guys her stats she was giving us her stats and she's like yeah i did a ghost haunt last night and uh they were a little little rambunctious last night so we'll see what we can get into tonight and i'm thinking you nerd that is so funny oh my god so before we went into touring this haunted house we were in it was like a barnish thing i think they also might do weddings out of that room <laughs> The friends that we're with actually had talked about doing their wedding party there. Actually. Oh, my God. So anyway, she handed us all suckers. Did not do the lemon lime bit. That was me. Oh, I loved that part. They had us hold out our hand flat in front of our chest and we would have to stick a little dumb dumb sucker on there with the stick pointing up. Okay. Now, and I hate to be a total buzzkill skeptic here, but I'm just going to go off of what I saw. Okay. <laughs> she did her whole thing, kind of like in my story, where she's like, oh, hey, ghost buddies, we're about to come and hang out with you. Hope you're okay with it. I brought you a bunch of new friends here. Please don't go home with them. Did the whole thing exactly <laughs> wow. the same. And then said, now, everybody, hold your suckers out. And, and she says... If there's any of these that sound good to you, feel free to knock it over and we'll leave it here for you. We just sat there in the sounds for the longest time. And of course, there was this one girl there It was just like, oh, I'm very spiritly strong and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, I feel it move. And then it like fell over in her hand. And then the girl's like, oh, he must really like you, the ghost. Somebody else said they felt one move and then they came and took those two and she set them on a little table and was like, we'll leave these right here for you so you can have them. Damn. So this was all from personal experience, that whole part. Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought it sounded familiar. Now I know why. It was such an awkward experience to be a part of. And it was like, OK, these people obviously aren't sitting still very well, because I think when it was Emily and I, I would like point over to a couple people in our large circle and I'm like, that girl is jittery as hell. She couldn't keep a sucker straight up on her own. Right, right. So I really wanted to add that experience into my story. But yeah, it was just such a funny thing because after we go through the whole thing and we didn't experience anything except that one girl yeah. who experienced something too. She was like, okay, now make sure you guys go straight home. Don't touch anything. And you give yourself a good shower because we don't want to like bring any spirits home with us. <laughs> I thought that was the whole point of the sucker offering. Yeah, that's what I thought. Now you too. gotta go home and get a shower too. But it's very performative, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff was there to try to get us into the mood, so that if anything in the house we were about to go to creaked or cracked, then it could be like we were already. It's almost like having an opening act for a stand-up thing. You don't right. just put your best stand-up comedian out there without somebody warming the crowd up. I gotta warm the people up with a sucker move, so then if the house cracks, I can say it's a ghost, and we can make it all work. I bet I could be really good at doing that. Oh, you could. If I had the whole little like monologue that I kind of just loosely went off in my mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, if it was really haunted, I would be too scared. <laughs> so I couldn't. Yeah. That story, it caught me by surprise. And I do think it's interesting that no police were called. Then did they just go to the local news and tell them about this? Or how do you think this came out? I guess the story just kind of became a cute local story at first that they are like, oh, hey, the local guy was given his funny ghost haunts like he normally does. And they walked in on a porn. Yeah. Well, and then some people got outraged in the city and were just like, oh, I didn't keep any of their quotes or put them in the story. But the church that looks over the graveyard was just like, oh, gosh, we would never want to know that people were doing that in our graveyard. Basically, it was just like, oh, it's indecent. OK, because I'm like. Damn, if there weren't police records leaked or whatever, like someone had to tell somebody mm -hmm. for it to be in the news. So I was just curious. But no names on the porn. 
I don't know what movie was shot there. I don't know if it was just some people doing some amateur things right. or if they tried to put it on a DVD company. Like nobody came forward and no. claimed. <laughs> Maybe if you did some hardcore digging, you could find their Pornhub account or something. But wow, no articles gave the name of the actors or anything. Wow. I wonder if in the footage they captured the whole tour. Oh, that would be so fun. Dude. Oh, my God. If that is out there, uh, that would be so funny. You know where to find us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the one time you can send us explicit material. Yeah. Okay. Oh, what a time, Trevin. Obviously, we both have spooky connections, but I did find it to be really funny that both of them were paid events to go and mm -hmm. specifically get scared by. And then something petty happened because of that. Yeah. When you in your story, you said the attendees. When I was writing this story, I had to keep coming up with so many different synonyms. I was like thrill seekers, ghost hunters, tour people, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like attendees i never used that one when you said that out loud i was like ah that could have been one of my synonyms i could oh <laughs> yeah i know i know sometimes it is hard because you don't want to sound too repetitive mm -hmm. but yeah attendees they were both stories about people just going paying to be scared it's really weird that they were both that way but totally different mine is supposed to be fake yours is supposed to be real you know mm -hmm. yeah that's actually really fun they were paying to be scared something that we didn't do with our other stories we did with our trilogy here. So right, that's nice. It's like corporate horror, <laughs> like paying for it. <laughs> Big scary. <laughs> so that is our connection. Before we go to our closing, I do want to say, hey, everybody, we are recording this episode before I get married, but I will be married by the time this episode comes out. And it would be the coolest, most bestest thing you could do. And I know we're going to put this in our outro stuff, but if you guys could do anything to help get the name out with this, because I'm like making some really big pushes here. If you want to make Instagram posts of us, like on your feed, if you want to text and tell your friends about us, more five-star reviews, anything you could do that would just be the perfect wedding gift to me. If you suggest things in little Reddit groups that you're in, suggest us to that. Just anything that can blast us out there as much as we can, because... I really want to do this a lot. And <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. I second everything that he said. I mean, honestly, it might sound like a small thing for you guys to do any of those things, but add it up with our whole community. It would actually make a really big difference if you just told at least one person. And it is that time of year where everyone is kind of wanting to get scared and we're kind of the comedic relief. So maybe people would be really interested mm -hmm. and we would absolutely love it if you did any of that. Yeah. I've seen plenty of people who around this time look in podcast blogs and they're just like, I want a really good Halloween special or somebody mm -hmm. who does it like even like a show that doesn't generally do that all the time does it. And it's like, oh man, we try to do the best Halloween special type stuff we can. But anytime you share our link to anywhere, anytime you send it through a text, you know, I didn't even know this, but Spotify, when they do the Spotify wrapped at the end of the year, mm -hmm. it actually shows how you're shared to people. Oh. So not just like how many times was your link shared through social media, but it actually says how many times your link was shared through text. Oh, And I thought that's really interesting. So huh. I, I would love to see a bunch through text because you wouldn't really think about that. But I mean, there is, it is true. If there's ever been a song that I thought was so important for somebody, I've sent that through a text. Oh, yeah. I've shared things a lot. So share us with everyone. And yeah, just getting our name out there more would be, again, the best wedding gift for Trevin and also just a gift for me, too. So we would appreciate it. Well, I hope that everyone 
is having an amazing Halloween week. And just remember, no matter the crimes, big or small, in the end, we're all doomed. Doomed to buy a ticket to get scared. (laughs) Bye. See ya. Stay safe out there this Halloween, and thanks again for listening to our show. If you're doing any cool costume parties or anything, share your cool costumes with us. Maybe we'll do some sort of a listener collage. Live Laugh Larceny at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or Threads. And if you have ever got caught humping in the cemetery, send us your petty crime story. Live Laugh Larceny at gmail.com. And did you enjoy getting spooky with us for three weeks? Give us five stars wherever you rate podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or Apple. 